Hey, it's Stu from Bitcoin Fi, the cross-section between financial independence and crypto. And there have been so many news blurbs going on between BlackRock starting to come out with crypto offerings at some point, um, a large Canadian firm holding Bitcoin on their balance sheet. It's an accounting firm, one of the big four accounting firms in Canada. And just so many cool and interesting things going on. Uh, Colorado has just come out and said that they are going to accept taxes in Bitcoin, which in a way is saying that it's legal tender. I mean, not officially, but if you can pay taxes with something, then I think that kind of counts as legal tender. So pretty interesting and a lot going on. Hey, this is Stu, and I'm going to pause right here. Sorry for the weird sound effects. I am too lazy slash don't have enough time to go find a transition sound, but this is going to be kind of a inception pod a podcast within a podcast. I had already recorded this podcast a couple weeks ago before the war in Ukraine broke out. And so I'm going to let this go and get into what I had already previously recorded. And then at the end, there's going to be a little bit more. Okay, uh, here's my weird noise again. I want to talk about an interesting development with Bitcoin and geopolitical game theory. Game theory, according to this definition on Investopedia, in regards to economics, it is a theory of competition stated in terms of gains and losses among opposing players. So game theory, I mean, it's kind of just like you've got competition in markets. You've got competition between companies and across geographies and, you know, communism versus capitalism and different forms of government and democracy or dictatorships, right? You've got all these things and, and everyone's kind of looking for an edge and this is just an interesting sequence of events. I'm going to run through some headlines I've been seeing on Cointelegraph. And I'll link these as many as I can. I believe I've got all the links ready. But on January 20th, I saw a headline that said, quote, Russian Central Bank proposes a blanket ban on crypto mining and trading. Okay, that was January 20th, 2022. And I think this caused a lot of internal discussion in Russia because a few days later, on January 24th, there was a new headline that said Russian tech and political executives denounce crypto ban proposal. Just a day later, on the 25th of January, there's another headline. And it says Russian finance ministry official calls for crypto regulation, not restriction. Okay. Two days later, January 27th, the headline reads, ban less likely. Putin says crypto mining has its advantages in Russia. The same day, Russian Finance Ministry submits crypto regulatory framework for review. February 1st, Russia houses 200 billion worth of crypto, according to a Kremlin estimate. The 3rd of February, Russian Central Bank registers nation's first digital asset manager. And then February 8th, simple math says Russia could collect up to 13 billion in crypto tax each year. And February 9th, Russian government and central bank agree to treat Bitcoin as currency. So you could say like as a foreign currency. And Anthony Pompliano has been talking about this a little bit on his podcast. His podcast is great. I would strongly recommend you follow it, although he creates a lot of content. It's a little bit overwhelming at times because I think he does like a daily or a multi-daily podcast. But I saw this post in a Facebook group that says, the geopolitical game theory is starting to play out. In January, Joe Biden said, quote, 
if Russia invades, they're going to pay. Their banks will not be able to deal in dollars. That's the end of the quote. So what he means by that is Russia is going to be excluded from this global financial system called SWIFT. It's kind of like ACH, but for the world, not for, I think, just America uses ACH. I'm not really sure. But SWIFT is a global payment network, and a lot of countries use it with dollars and with trade and everything. And this is part of what's known as economic sanctions. So if Russia invades Ukraine, as it seems, maybe there's an imminent threat there, although there was like a news blurb that it was backing down a couple days ago, and then it's firing back up. So who really knows what's going on over there? But the point is, is that it's kind of a stunning 180 that they went from an outright ban of crypto being discussed to, no, let's regulate it to, hey, guess what? We recognize crypto as a form of currency. Okay, and so another news blurb, this is from February 15th on Cointelegraph. It says, Belarus president signs decree to support free circulation of crypto. And I believe Belarus and Russia are kind of working together, potentially going to invade Ukraine. So economic sanctions, for the most part, it's basically you do something we don't like and you will not be able to deal in dollars. You will not be able to use the world reserve currency. You're going to be locked out of trades. It's going to be harder to export, import with a lot of countries, etc. That's economic sanctions. We're going to exclude you from the system. So this is like North Korea. North Korea has like no one to trade with pretty much because everyone kind of hates them. Uh, I'm speaking in very broad strokes, obviously. But if they don't have a lot of, we'll say, lithium and no one wants to trade with them, that's really going to hinder their economy as far as like electronics and different stuff. If they don't have enough of a certain resource and they can't get that resource or they can't get manufacturing or they can't get whatever, it's just going to be hard for that economy to grow, for that society to do well without international trade. And that's kind of what economic sanctions does is it's making it harder for you to participate in the global trade, for you to participate in the global financial system. So it seems that Russia is trying to go outside of the SWIFT system, outside of the normal system, and exploring the use of Bitcoin in this avenue as a foreign currency. And by doing that, they can bypass economic sanctions from the U.S. and from our allies. So it's one thing if El Salvador and maybe Tonga makes Bitcoin legal tender. They are small countries. They have like no real enemies. But if Russia makes Bitcoin legal tender or becomes pro-Bitcoin, then that kind of forces the hand of the U.S. And that's what game theory is. So this is not like my area of expertise. This is just like my little take, my little piecing together stuff. But if Russia started buying Bitcoin at the state level, at the country level, it might force the hand of the U.S. and its allies like maybe Japan, Great Britain, France, Germany, Australia, etc., there may be like a land rush into Bitcoin because the more it's in the hands of America and our allies, the less that they have to deal with. And I guess you could say it becomes a matter of national security with getting as much Bitcoin to keep them from having as much Bitcoin. As of at least like a couple days ago, it seemed that Russia was backing down a little and there was still some room for diplomacy. I sure hope that's the case. But regardless, their stance on the use of crypto is going to be something to watch and it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out this is one of the pluses and the minuses of bitcoin is that it is censorship resistant which means that people you don't like 
countries, companies, etc., that you don't like are going to be able to use Bitcoin and the network for things that you don't approve of, and there's nothing you can do to stop it because Bitcoin never sleeps. Bitcoin is decentralized. Bitcoin cannot be shut down. It's just its own thing, and you can't really stop it. So kind of interesting, and I will have another episode about this with uh, the Freedom Convoy, with uh, what's going on in Canada. All right, I just wanted to share some bonus content. This is the end of the inception of the podcast where I'm doing a separate recording over an older recording and I'm having to do it in this way. I'm not used to, but I wanted to close this out with a couple things before I go into the outro. Obviously, Russia has invaded Ukraine and things are not super great over there right now. There's a lot of talk of sanctions. And one of the things I wanted to point out and talk about that was pretty interesting is just the problems that they're facing. So obviously a lot of people are fleeing the country. They're under martial law, which means the military is running the government essentially. And any men 18 to 60 have to stay and fight. And of course, you, if you want to stay and fight, you can volunteer. But you know, one of the headlines that jumped out at me was that the Ukrainian central bank suspends electronic cash transfers, bolstering the use case for crypto. But basically what's happening is you know, they're getting attacked at power stations. The ATMs are running out of cash. The bank's running out of cash. The central bank is not allowing you to like, you know, if I were going to go and transfer $100 from my checking to my savings account through the app, they're not really letting you do that or through the internet or through a hotspot, any number of ways. They're just not really letting you do that. So Bitcoin and crypto was built for this use case. And it's really one of the only ways to transact. There's also another report where Patreon has frozen the donations going towards like body armor for Ukrainian soldiers and stuff like that. Obviously, they have their terms and their policies for what can be donated, and they didn't want anything going to support war efforts, really, I guess. I don't really know, but obviously, Bitcoin and crypto are the alternative. Ukraine has basically allowed Bitcoin to be legal tender, I believe, and had it on its balance sheet as a treasury reserve asset, similar to El Salvador. And they were the second country to do it. People are fairly familiar, I think. And if not, they're getting familiar. So it's pretty cool that this is the time for Bitcoin to shine. And hopefully everything can get resolved peacefully out there as quick as possible. So the Ukraine army and the Ukraine government are accepting Bitcoin donations. There is an organization that's reputable. It's called the Comeback Alive Fund. And they have provided a Bitcoin account number. I can show you what account it is. I can show you the, the real post and all the real stuff to make sure that it's legit. I know that the Army wallet has received somewhere north of $5 million of Bitcoin. And about $4 million of Bitcoin has been donated to the Ukraine government within a, just a few hours of opening up this Bitcoin wallet. Now, what's really interesting is also the sanctions. Um, one of the issues, from what I understand, and I heard this on another podcast, but basically Germany has this deal with Russia on this pipeline. I think it's done, but it's not certified, so it's not quite working yet. But like all of Europe is totally dependent on Russia for oil, or heavily dependent, I should say. And the SWIFT banking system is what they're threatening to kick them out of, and now Germany is supporting it, even though... It would really hurt Germany and their economy because they're not going to get the gas from Russia. They're not going to get their lights turned on. You know, they're going to have a huge shortage. But the SWIFT system 
It stands for Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunication. And it's an independent enterprise based in Belgium. And it serves as a messaging system between 11,000 plus banks and financial institutions in over 200 countries. So basically, if Russia was kicked off this, it cannot communicate securely with any banks outside of its own borders. And that's a pretty big deal for them. It's going to really hurt their exports. There's only one country that is banned from SWIFT system, and that would be Iran. So this is kind of a big step, although it is going to hurt all of Europe. So it's a double-edged sword. And obviously, Russia might position themselves with crypto and Bitcoin to get around this SWIFT system. But also Bitcoin can be used to help Ukraine right now with all of their funds kind of being locked up and people not having cash and the government needing to buy arms and do whatever they need to do basically to stay secure. Crazy stuff, but I'll be watching the situation and hopefully can provide more insight a little bit later. If you want to schedule a call with me on Calendly and donate anything to the cause, it's not that hard to do. It's pretty straightforward, actually. Uh, my wife and I donated last night some Bitcoin to the Ukraine army. So here's what I'm going to do is if you want to contribute, let me know set up a calendar link and we can get in touch and get on a zoom and, and go through the process of donating. It really only takes about two minutes once you are in your account. And the second thing is anyone that signs up with any of my referral links, I just have these referral links from most of the Bitcoin exchanges and apps. The easiest one to do this with is the strike app. It's basically like Venmo, except a little bit better, obviously because it supports Bitcoin and lets you, manage your bitcoin instead of locking it into the account so if you sign up for the strike app right now we both get ten dollars from strike and it takes about three minutes to sign up have your driver's license ready to scan and i will be donating my ten dollars that i get from the strike app to either the ukraine government or the ukraine army and if you would like to donate your ten dollars as well i can show you how although i think it will be maybe necessary to donate it from Coinbase or from another more prominent exchange based on how strike works. I can explain more, but I'm just saying like, you don't have to do much, just three minutes of your time to sign up and we both get $10. And then at least my $10 is going to go to Ukraine. It's up to you what you do with it. If you want to buy your own Bitcoin with it, no judgment, that's fine because I think uh, you probably need a little bit and this is a good, easy way to start. So anyway, that's all I have. Let me know if I can help with any of that and we're going to go to the outro now if you have more questions or if you have more commentary i'd love to hear some feedback i mean i'm no expert in geopolitical and all this stuff but that's just how i'm seeing things right now and with that remember financial independence is doable thanks for sharing the show feel free to book a call with me if you have any questions and i will be back with you soon